I was paying attention to those of you that raised your hand who are already listening to Christmas music and have put up decorations. You have a sickness, and I will be praying for you. I'm joking. I'm joking. I saw a funny meme a week or two ago. It was like 60 days till Christmas, and then it had the cover of the Mariah Carey Christmas album, and it was de-thawing, and it said, be careful, she's defrosting now as we speak. So I do like that Christmas album. I mean, I'm personally biased. I think the Boys to Men Christmas album is the best one of all time, but I'm dating myself now, so... Uh, I digress. Uh, I will let you know, um, we ran out of these bracelets. I don't, I don't know if it was because some of you shared them or you just wore out of them in two weeks. But uh, if, you needed, if you needed an extra one, our ushers have them as you leave today. Um, this is the conclusion of this unoffendable series. And I'm just going to warn you today, um, this service might get a little messy. It was the last service. And um, I I was going to apologize because I'm sure for some of you, you were wondering why there wasn't as much parking available, and that's because our last service went a little over time. Um, While I am sorry that you had a difficult time parking, I don't apologize for what the Lord was doing, and I'm just letting you know that um, we're going to let the Lord do his work today, and I understand as we get towards the end, if you need to get your kids, um, please do that, but I just really believe the Holy Spirit um, is going to do some surgery in some hearts today, so open your heart and mind to that. With that, let me pray. Lord, today, I truly believe there is not a person here in this room that is here by accident, even those that may be watching online. All of us deal and have dealt with anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. It's something that you not only spoke about and preached about, but you modeled and lived. And for us, As followers of you who are wanting to be like you, at least that's what we say, then we have to come to terms with what forgiveness means in our own life to those who have hurt us deeply. I do know that we do not have the power to do that in ourselves. And so today we call on your spirit, which does have the power. Spirit of God, come. Work in us in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Again, as I mentioned, today we're closing this series called Unoffendable, dealing with our right to be angry, so to speak. And two weeks ago, we acknowledged our outrage culture, our anger society, and even talked about how we as Christians fall captive to that and become active participants. And that Jesus' followers, if we're looking at God's word, we should be the most unoffendable people in all of the world. Then last week, we talked about the myth of righteous anger. And I heard there was some really good discussion in your small groups and some debate going on about that. And that's healthy and good. I believe that righteous anger does not belong in the hands of humans. I believe scripture teaches that. And we looked at that last week. Um, Especially, it does not belong in the hands of Jesus' followers that the only one who can hold righteous anger is God because he alone is righteous. And while some people choose to be motivated by anger, research even shows that taking a stand in anger often never, never leads to taking action to actually 
helping resolve the problem. And as the Bible calls all of us as his followers to pursue justice, to seek justice in our world, the Bible never endorses anger as the motivating factor for that. But rather, Jesus' followers should allow love, not anger, to serve as the catalyst for action. We landed on this verse that we often hold up as the reason that we can hold righteous anger, where Paul writes, in your anger do not sin, or as some translations say, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. But then we continued reading, and five verses later, although Paul acknowledges we experience anger, he also writes, get rid of it. Get rid of bitterness, get rid of rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all other types of evil behavior. And then we finished on a cliffhanger, so to speak, after looking at a lot of verses throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament and recognizing that the Bible is consistent, that Christians are not to hold on to anger and bitterness, the question then remains for us, what do we do with our anger? More importantly, what are we to do with our bitterness and resentment towards those who have deeply wounded us? As with most things, you have solutions that are offered by the world. There are antidotes, if you will, it's what we're gonna talk about today, offered by the kingdom of this world. And then there are solutions or antidotes offered by God's word or the kingdom of God. If I can offer you one solution that the kingdom of this world will offer to all of us in regards to our anger and our bitterness or resentment and unforgiveness, the world's antidote to anger is venting. That's one of them anyway. The secular way of handling anger is to vent those feelings out. We even say things like, you just need to let out a bit of steam. This is why we have rage rooms that I mentioned not too long ago. The problem with leaning solely on venting as an antidote for anger is that venting can become addictive. Each outburst is the continuing practice of someone losing self-control, which the Bible says we are supposed to live with self-control. It's interesting, as I was thinking about this, when children vent, we call it temper tantrums. When adults vent, we call it therapy. So there's some type of disconnect, but that is the solution that the world offers. You just need to let it all out. You just need to vent. You just need to go to a rage room and break some things, and that is the antidote to anger. Now, let me say this. I am not saying that all venting is bad. There is a healthy and biblical place for us expressing our frustration, anger, and feelings. The biblical word for that is lamenting. So there is a place for us to vent. There is a place in healthy context and relationship to express those things. But that is not the antidote that the Bible offers with that. And a little bit later in the, in the message this morning, I'm going to share some personal story of, of how I have dealt with unforgiveness and um, resentment and bitterness in my own life. And one of those, uh, I'll give you an example talking about venting. There was a moment in time when um, there was a broken relationship and I was just, I was fuming. I mean, a decision was made 
and I felt I had every right to be angry and justified. And I had a good friend, still a good friend named Mark, who during the season where I was dealing with anger and resentment, I leaned on him a lot. And when I found out the situation, what was happening, I'll never forget it. Uh, I got in my car. I knew right where he was. He was a couple blocks down the street. I got in my car. I floored it, pulled up to where he was, slammed the brakes, got out, slammed the door. Mark's like, what's going on? And I just vomited. I was like, that's it, Mark. I'm burning the whole place down. I've had enough. Anybody ever been there like that? Okay. I just let it all out. And Mark patiently listened to me, didn't judge me. And when I was all done, he just looked at me calmly and said, are you done? (laughs) Now, that was healthy. Okay. It was healthy in that moment. But that is not the antidote to handling anger and bitterness. I was I'm grateful that I had a friend that pointed me back to scripture that said, okay, you're done with your temper tantrum. Let's now get down to the rooty issue and how are we going to handle this? So there is a healthy place for venting, but it's not the antidote. That's the antidote that the world offers. God has a better way. God's antidote for anger. I believe the Bible's antidote for anger is a word called forgiveness. Now, We know that word. (laughs) We shake our heads and go, yeah, you're right. But how many understand actually forgiving somebody and living a life of forgiveness is something completely different? Forgiveness is God's antidote for anger. We looked at this verse just a few moments ago and we, through the series, looked at it where Paul writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Get rid of slander as well of as all other types of evil behavior. But then he follows that up immediately saying, instead, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, tenderhearted, and then he moves, forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He writes this in another letter in Colossians. Paul says, make allowance for each other's fault. What if we just stopped there and did that? What if we actually gave grace and allowance for each other's mistakes? He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Not the people that have have justified, not the people that after five years it's finally cooled off, not just your friends. Forgive anyone, Paul says, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. How are we to forgive? We are instructed in scripture consistently to forgive as God has forgiven us. There's a story in the Bible. There's a parable, if you will, found in Matthew chapter 18. I wanna read it to you this morning. Jesus is telling uh, Peter, one of his followers, the story and other disciples that were there and he's using an illustration, a story about Forgiveness, and it's really significant for you and I today. Let me read it to you. Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when this man left the king, 
He went to a fellow servant who owed him thousands of dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you had pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, just to give you a little context, I think you get the gist of the story, but there's some interesting, and I don't want us to miss the significance of this story that Jesus tells. In some of your Bible translations, it actually gives you the dollar amounts or the resource amounts that were at that time. In biblical times, a talent was worth about a pound of gold. And so you had this king that was calling all of his debts into account, and this man owed him 10,000 talents. That's 10,000 pounds of gold. I did some research, and do you know what the cost of one ounce of gold is right now? One ounce of gold is $1,950. So in current market status, 10,000 talents, if you will, this man today would have owed the king around $300 million. $300 million. Some of you missed that. That's all right. (laughs) So the man couldn't pay this amount, and his entire family was going to be sold into slavery. Now, that's hard for us to imagine, but in that context, in Middle Eastern culture at that time, if you couldn't pay, I mean, that's an enormous amount. There was no way he was going to pay that. It was more of a punishment than it was an opportunity for him to pay it back. But not just him. It was his kids, his family. Everything was going to be sold. So this man makes a ridiculous request. He falls down before this king, who he owes $300 million to, and said, would you please forgive my debt? And shockingly, the king cancels this man's debt and releases him from what he is owed. And then the story goes on. Jesus says that this very man who was released and canceled of $300 million of debt goes to someone who owes him money. Now, in the Bible, it tells us that this man owed the one who was forgiven um, denarii. Now, denarii was about a day's worth of wage. And so if you did the comparison, this man would have owed the man uh, around $22,000. So again, you have a man who was forgiven of $300 million. He goes to a man who owes him around $20,000. And you would think that when the man who owes him $20,000 gets on his face and said, would you please forgive me of this $20,000 debt? You would think that that man would go, absolutely, because I have forgiven of that. But he doesn't do it. What does he do? Jesus said he grabs the man by the throat and throws him into prison. Now, as irate as you are, The people who were actually at this and seeing this are also angry. And of course, they go tell the king, and then the king drags that man 
before him and he throws him into prison. And Jesus wraps all of this up and he communicates even to you tonight, you and I today, here is the moral of the story. After this, Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you and me if, what? We refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If we refuse to forgive, that is what awaits us. Forgiveness is about mercy. That king showed mercy to the man who owed him $300 million. And see, mercy is not giving to a person what they deserve. It is giving to a person what they do not deserve. This is the central principle of forgiveness in the kingdom of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then if you have truly experienced the grace of Jesus Christ and you are being transformed to be more like him, you will demonstrate, you should demonstrate the same grace and the forgiveness that God has extended to you, especially to those who do not deserve it. We don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive people because we didn't deserve it. We forgive because we have been forgiven. If I can be candid and transparent with you today, I preach this message on forgiveness from scripture, but also from personal experience. It was about six years ago. Um, Everything was going great. We weren't here at ACAC. And my family and I just were hit with a curveball, kind of sideways upside, upside the head with an experience that we didn't realize was going to take us on a journey of forgiveness, of dealing with anger, resentment, bitterness, and that we were going to have to wrestle with this very subject. Are we going to choose to forgive? And it was a two-year journey of walking through the pain of broken relationship that led me and my family actually here to ACAC. I had experienced and needed to work through a lot of anger, bitterness, resentment that resulted from unfair presumptions, misrepresentations, and an environment that was lacking trust, communication, and accountability. All of this was in the context of a church with those who genuinely love Jesus. Have any of you ever been hurt by someone who genuinely loves Jesus? Oh, just about five of us, okay. Just wait, it's coming. (laughs) Sorry. Next year, um, I really felt during my time away this past summer, a series that I want us to do next year, we're gonna call it, I think, Friendly Fire. How do we deal with attacks when you get hit by people who are supposed to be your brothers and sisters, people who love Jesus? And now you know what I'm talking about, okay? So we're gonna talk about that next year. But this was the journey that I went on. And the reality was, okay, you're gonna live this out with forgiveness? And so as we talk about this today and as we move into some steps of forgiveness, they are not only gonna be biblical examples, but things that we had to walk through as a family. And personally, I can stand here today and tell you it helps. It's not fast. It's not painless. But it's God's way. It's the kingdom of God's way. Four steps to forgiveness as we go through them. The first is the hardest. And it's the moral of the story that Jesus said. As you think about the person, 
the situation, maybe the people that you need to forgive, the first thing you have to make a conscious choice to do is to release them. You have to choose to cancel their debt. They may not owe you $300 million. They may not owe you $3. But you may have $300 million worth of pain, worth of attack, worth of trauma, worth of hurt. And the thing I can say to you is you have to choose, just as the king chose to cancel the man's debt and release him, so do you and I to those that have hurt us, to those that have caused pain in our life and our relationships, you have to make a choice to release them of their debt. That is your choice. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. Just as God chose to cancel our debt, we have to cancel the debt of those who have hurt us. How do you do that? I can offer you one example. You know I prayer journal. Throughout that season, I wrote it out. I chose in that moment, I said, Lord, I choose to forgive so-and-so. I choose to cancel their debt. Now, let me tell you, my teeth were gritted. <laughs> my hand was shaking. Did I mean it from the depths of my heart in that moment? Mm, if I'm being honest, probably not. But I made a choice, and I wrote it down. I'm releasing them. And what will happen is you make that choice, you choose that, and then allow the Spirit of God to work in you, which leads us to the second one, is that you pray for them and you pray for you in that order. We heard last week the Apostle Peter said, bless those who persecute you. I can tell you that as well as releasing that person, every day I got up in my prayer time and I prayed for that person. And I didn't pray, well, I did pray that God would change their heart and make everything right. I changed that prayer to God, you bless them. The way in which you pray that God would bless you, I would challenge you to pray that God would bless them. And you wanna talk about changing your prayer life, that'll do it. Where there were, again, some teeth that were gritting, yeah. When I first started praying that, was there a lot of sincerity? God, I pray you would bless them. Just come. My prayer looked a lot like that. But you know what happened? The more I did that, the more God began to change my heart. And I prayed for them, and then I would pray, um, I would pray a verse in Psalm that David said, guard my heart. And when I talk to people who are going through similar circumstances, and some of you, so as you pray and bless them, pray that God would guard your heart. Pray that God would guard your mouth, that you don't speak ill will. You don't don't fly off on the temper tantrum. Don't talk to others about what's going on. Pray for them. Bless them and pray that God would guard your heart. Pray for them and pray for you. Third thing is to pursue reconciliation. In that same chapter where Jesus gives us the parable of the unforgiving debtor, he talks about reconciliation. Jesus said when there's a problem, don't go to your bestie. Don't take it to social media. <laughs> Don't do, what are you supposed to do? Go to that person. 
That's what scripture calls us to do. And then, if it can't be reconciled with them, go to the church, go to your brothers and sisters, call on church leadership and allow them to work it out. Now, I understand reconciliation is not always possible, but we are still called to pursue it when it is. Release the person from the debt that they have against you. Pray for them, pray for you. Pursue reconciliation when all possible. And here's the fourth one. Seek help. There is nothing wrong with counseling and finding a good therapist. I can tell you it helped my wife and I tremendously. Call ACAC, Christian, CCC, Christian Counselor Collaborative. I have an opportunity to sit down and talk through, allow someone to help process, find a godly friend, a, a man, a woman who will be like a Mark. And after you do vent, can say, are you done? Let me point you back to what God's word says. But seek help. But you have to release that person first. You've got to pray for them. Pray for you that God would guard your heart. You've got to pursue reconciliation when all possible and seek help. For some of you, again, you're struggling with this. And as I've mentioned over the last couple weeks, there are different levels of trauma. There are different levels of hurt. And some of you are asking, if I forgive someone, does that mean that I have to stay in relationship with them? No matter how horrible it is, the answer is no, you don't have to. Here is what forgiveness is not. Here is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not when you release someone of their debt towards you. Forgiveness is not communicating to that person that what they did is okay. It is not excusing or condoning the other person's behavior. Really has nothing to do with them. You are just making an agreement between God that you are releasing that person of their debt towards you. Forgiveness is also not taking down healthy boundaries and opening yourself up to continual pain. Forgiveness is not permitting the other person to continue to hurt you. Healthy boundaries are good. That's not what I'm talking about when we're talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. How many of you ever heard the phrase forgive and forget? Whoever said that's stupid. <laughs> They're dumb. You don't forget. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't forget. We were talking about this as, uh, at the, our, our elder meeting this past Tuesday. One of our elders, Bruce Grover, who's here, talked about this and Blaine and I believe Pastor Rock. It was a sermon you preached and I, I think this is very profound. Pastor Rock said, um, you can't forget, but you can choose to remember differently. Were they right in crediting you? Okay, I wanted to make sure. And it's true. In my own story, I knew of ACAC, but I didn't know you. And whenever those feelings and emotions, and they come up, they revisit, they surface, and blood starts to boil, and I think of how I was offended and wronged and all of that, you know what comes to mind? If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't know you. I choose to remember it differently. It's part of that story where God can, even through the pain, he can work those things. You have a choice on how you remember that. You're always going to remember it, but you can choose to remember it differently. But here's the thing. If you choose not to forgive someone, you are choosing to stay in relationship with them. If you choose not to forgive them, you're still going to be in relationship with them. You know how? Because they're going to live in your head and they're going to live in your heart. 
And you will constantly remain in that toxic relationship. But if you forgive them, you will find a freedom that is only found in Jesus Christ. I was talking with a dear friend of mine who experienced some similar hurt and pain more recently. And we were talking about how we process forgiveness. And he brought up a great illustration. When you're wounded, when you're offended, when you're bit, so to speak, there's, a, there's an open wound. And you have a choice on how you're going to address that wound. If you don't bring any, if you don't address it at all, it's possible that infection could get in and it's going to affect your whole body. And what will happen is that wound, while it's fresh, eventually it's going to start to scab over a little bit. And when it hurts, it's going to take time. Forgiveness is also, it's not quick, it's not easy. And you're going to hear that person's name mentioned. You're going to rethink those things in your brain, what you should have said, what you should have done, and that scab gets picked away. You know what I'm talking about? But forgiveness is bringing healing. It's putting ointment on it. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to remove any infection, any toxins, so it doesn't run through your body. And that thing will scab over, and you're going to remember that. But eventually what happens when you release that person, when you pray for them, when you forgive them, when you seek help and counsel, it turns into a scar. It doesn't bleed anymore. You still see it. You still remember. You have those feelings and emotions, but you're not living with the toxins. You're not, your body isn't infected on the inside because you have chosen to forgive. There's an example. I want to show you a quick video of a man who recently, I believe, is living this out. He's a Christ follower. See, on October 25th, many of you will remember this just a few weeks ago. October 25th in Lewiston, Maine, there was a mass shooting. Leroy Walker Sr., his son, was killed in that shooting. He's got a heavy northeastern accent, so listen closely. But you'll quickly recognize that he's a Christ follower and he trusts in the Lord. And I think it's a powerful illustration to us of how he does not harbor anger and how he's choosing to forgive. Would you watch this? Your remarks yesterday that you do not harbor uh, hate or anger for the man who took your son's life. And I wonder how that's possible, despite your grief. Uh, you have to put that, that part of it, you have to put it out of your mind. Uh, you have to let the Lord do whatever needs to be done. And uh, if this person was at the time in his right mind, I believe he would have been a loving person just like we are. Uh, there's something that went wrong. And uh, I just can't hate, hate him. Uh, I believe in the Lord, and I think the Lord will prevail in the end here. And, and uh, I guess we can't make our choices on people, but I can't. I can't hate this person. I. I've been taught different than that, I hope, anyways. And uh, I believe in the Lord, and, uh, and I have to feel that way. You can't run around this world hating people if you do. These kind of things will happen more and more. They may be only individual things that happen, but if you hate, 
and they hate drives you crazy, you're going to hurt people. And I've had my ups and downs in my life, and uh, I don't want anyone to hurt me, and I don't want to hurt anybody. And I'm sure this man, whatever happened to his mind, I'm sure he wasn't born to be a killer. And instead of, I'm sure, a father and a mother that would have never believed this would have happened with him. So all I can say is I'm sorry that it's happened to all of us, and I'm sorry what may happen to him. And God will prevail. It's just Hate will never bring my son back. No, it won't. It just... It's just amazing to hear you with so much love in your heart, Leroy. Um, for people who don't know, you also lost your daughter 25 years ago. Um, I did. In a car accident. So to have to lose two children and still be able to um, have, have such faith and such love in your heart is, is remarkable. Leroy is making a choice. And as painful as that is to watch, it's painful, but I believe Leroy understands the words of the man that he follows named Jesus. When Jesus said this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. We're going to have a time of prayer, then communion, and then we're going to dismiss. I'm going to ask, don't open your communion yet, but if you need the communion elements, just want you to raise your hand. While we move into this next part, I just want to make sure everyone has the elements. Just keep your hands raised. We won't be taking communion until everybody has it, so... Here's how I want to close the service. I'm going to ask you to think of two things. Here's the first. Everyone in this room, I want you, I want to take 30, 45 seconds. I want you to think and ponder about what Jesus has forgiven you of. What is the debt that he has canceled in your life and relieved you of? Can we take just a few minutes? Examine your own life, your own heart. What has Jesus forgiven you of? up here at me. This is going to be the really difficult part for some of you. Knowing that you have been forgiven and your debt has canceled. 
I want you to think of the person that you need to forgive. And I'm asking, cancel their debt right now. It may be tears. It may be just words between you and Jesus. But because of what you have been released of, because what you have been forgiven of, that forgiveness compels us to release others of the debt that they owe us. Right now, between you and God, release that person and give them your forgiveness. Between you and God, do that right now. Would you prepare your communion elements? Take that bread and hold it in your hand. Here's why we waited to this point, this weekend, and this point of the service to take communion. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, speaking about us going to the Lord's table, he says, so anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Today we take communion remembering the debt that God has canceled in our life. And that compels us to forgive and cancel that of those who have hurt us. Paul also said on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take Take the cup in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and my people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Stand with me this morning. I don't believe the Lord's done working in some hearts today, so I'm going to ask pastors that are here on ACAC staff, our prayer team here at ACAC, would you make your way forward around the front? Any elders that may be here today in this service? Just line up and especially in this area to my right because I know a lot of people are going to be exiting over here to my left.
I know we have another service starting in about 16 minutes and truthfully, I'm not worried about it and I don't want you to be. Some of you need to come forward and just seek prayer. It's nothing that's, it's nothing these folks here at the front, these men and women who could pray with you, it's nothing they're gonna say. Maybe it's just a, a, a step of faith for you. So Lord, I, I wanna begin releasing and choosing to forgive. So as we dismiss, I'm gonna pray and officially dismiss you. I want, I want us to respect what God wants to do in this room. So just be considerate of that as you talk and as you leave. But come forward, let these men and women pray with you. Let the Holy Spirit bring healing to your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy that you extend to us. There's nothing we did to deserve it. Nothing we could do to earn it. But by doing that, Lord, you have called us now to forgive others. To forgive them, not because they deserve it, but because we didn't deserve it. Continue to do the work in us so that we would be unoffendable. And we would be a people who live with forgiveness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please come forward. If we can pray for you today. Otherwise, you are dismissed.